0: Something came from Baltimore. Something came
1: from Baltimore. (sighs) Welcome to Something Came From Baltimore. My name is Tom Galker, and today we are talking with the legendary jazz drummer Joe Chambers. In the 1960s and the 1970s, Joe Chambers gigged with many high-profile artists such as Eric Dolphy, Charles Mingus, Wayne Shorter, and Chick Corea. Joe Chambers' new album is called Samba de Maracatu, and it was released on February 26, 2021, and it's on the Blue Note record label. It's Joe Chambers' second recording on Blue Note, as the first was Mirrors, and it was released in 1998. Samba de Maracatu is a loving tribute to Brazil, and primarily Bahia. We chat with Joe about this and more tonight on Something Came From Baltimore. It's an honor to speak to you, uh, uh, Joe Chambers. Welcome to Something Came From Baltimore. Right. Where are you located right now? I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina. Ah. Wilmington, about,
0: North Carolina. Love
1: yeah. that I, got, I came down here in 2008. This is your first recording for Blue Night for a really long time. You've had basically 50 years of work with them. How do they hand over the keys? How... Is there like a one off contract for for you or?
0: You know, I had, uh, I recorded uh, as a leader but in 1990, it must have been 1999, 1998. Yeah. Uh, I did a thing via Michael Kuskuna uh, Mirrors, you know. Of course, like I tell people, you know, I was, uh, you know, of course, I was involved in Blue way back in the heyday in the 60s, mm-hmm. recording and i was offered a recording back then which i i was just spaced you know but i was i call it space. but i was so i was uh very busy recording and working plan and traveling so i just i didn't even follow up on it uh, my mind was involved in the the, the things that everybody's mind was <laughs> at that time
1: do you have regrets at this point? Because your career is stellar. I mean, do you go back and No, no.
0: No, no, no. Oh, no, yeah. no, no, no yeah. Things came as they came. That's the way I look at it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, your life is rich, so, and that actually brings me into the next question is, your life is so full, and you've met so many people. Have you ever, like, had the opportunity to, do you talk to a, a, a biographer about your life? Because you have. As a matter of
0: fact, as a matter of fact, I do have a completed book, a completed biography—you could call it. It's sitting. It's just sitting, <laughs> and I, I uh, don't have the, the the energy or whatever it is to follow up. My brother, who since passed, he was a writer and he had books and he edited it, and I, I didn't. It's I, literally that's what it's doing. It's sitting in my back room there right. and I, I just don't have the thing to to go you know put it out yeah so I' it'll get out it'll yeah. get it'll, I'll put it out it'll come
1: out the idea that I had uh, and I don't know if this is too time-consuming and I was gonna go through some of the list of some of the amazing artists and you know maybe you can tell me how it was like to record for them what was their management style
0: uh, okay that's that's a, that's a questions that had come up, uh, common questions that come up in interviews. And so, first of all, it was nobody, none of the musicians that I record would, would record it with. And, and back then, it wasn't, they didn't approach it that way. It, it wasn't like that, you know. Let's see. I, I guess a easy pathway was I met Eric Dolphy in the, 61, around 1961, and I was living in Washington DC, mm-hmm. and playing at a place called Bohemian Caverns. And I was there three years, and we worked six nights a week, three years, et cetera. And I was studying and working. And we had this group called JFK Quintet. Four of the members have since did three. Andy White, Walter Booker, the bass player, Harry Kilgore, now they're, they're they're gone. Excuse me. So Andy White was invited to. Uh, he was uh, also. I don't know if you heard of him. But he's a fantastic. Well, he's gone too. But he was studying. He was a classical oboe player, and he played alto and the saxophone. So he was invited to Tanglewood, up there and uh, up there wherever that is, this, this uh, classical retreat with. Uh, so anyway, we got uh, the people management called Eric to come down to work with us. Eric Dolphy. We worked three three weeks. Great, great gig. And so when I uh, and he encouraged me, as all of the people I met at the caverns, so, you know, something. Come to New York. Come to New York. You know, come here. Well, you know, come to New York. So I did eventually come. So, Eric. Duffy, but well, he was, uh, he was something else. He was a, he was unlike most of the so-called avant-garde people at that time. Eric was very thorough, thoroughly ground and, and, uh, he played with the American Symphony. Okay. So he, he, he was all that like, like that. So Eric finally got a, a, a date a recording project with Blue Note. And it was called Out to Lunch. You might have heard of it. So he invited me to the, he told me to come. He invited me to the rehearsals. I wasn't on the date. Tony Williams was on the date. But he told me to come and bring music, which I did. So I didn't, you know, writing music was no big deal for me. So I brought music, I brought Mirrors, uh song. And what he was doing was setting me up, you know, setting me up with with those people, the Blue Note, uh Alfred Lyons, Franklin. So I, I brought the music, you know, and um, gave it to him. Freddie Hubbard looked at it and said, oh, wow, yeah, I like this. And he recorded it. So I was in. With the blue note people from that point on. Yeah. And I would say they, uh, yeah, Bobby Hutchinson was all also on that, that to lunch. So I believe that the, the song mirrors that I wrote, which was written for a, a composition. I was studying composition, you know, Western, so we were studying something called mirror writing. So I, you know, this is the way I'm looking at it. They, They looked at it and said, oh, wow, this guy, he knows what he's doing. You know, the way that the tune was structured, the harmonies, harmonies, progressions and stuff. So they, you know, wow, this guy must know what he's doing. (laughs) So they liked the rec, they liked the song, they took it. Long story short, they were getting me in to the Blue Note crowd. Nothing official, nobody, you know, we just, this happened. And I started getting a bunch of calls. Calls, calls here, over here, every Bobby Hudson, ooh, Freddie Hubbard, McCoy. Ooh, that's the way it went down. There was no, there was no contracts or nothing like that. I was recording. I was a side man recording.
1: Let's listen to the Joe Chambers song "Mirrors" that was featured in the Freddie Hubbard 1964 Blue Note release "Breaking Point." <laughs>
0: Other thing on that point that you're making, and I hear that, I get that question a lot. You know, were you all working bands? Most of it was not working bands. Most of it, they became working bands, but it sounded like working bands because we rehearsed for about four or five days in a week, and then went right in and recorded. Every single recording went down like that. Four to five days at Lynn Oliver's studio, boom, and then you go in and hit. So it sounded like a, a working band. That's the way it went down. Wow. That's, the, that's why it sounded like working bands.
1: They make it sound like, you know, you guys come in in a day because you record it in a day. And they're like, oh wow, you just like, like whipped that out, but I didn't know you guys did that much research before.
0: You rehearse if you get competent people and then, uh, you, you do about a week of rehearsing, boom, you, you, you go right. Everybody's ready.
1: <laughs> you know, it's ready. Everybody's got the stuff under their fingers. Keep, keep the cost down too. Like when's the last time you went to Bahia? I've never been to Bahia. Really? That's <laughs> shocking. You have, you're, yeah,
0: I've been here. Now, Maracatu is is a recent, it's most recent, but is rooted in in condumbley, and so. But the the the, the name Maracatu rhythm and dance is
1: is fairly recent. That's a that's a a recent situation. The song, the samba for Maracatu, is that the type of music that you're that you're referring well, to?
0: Well, yeah. Yeah, uh, and one thing, uh, I say, um, and that's all a part of, it's a syncretic, you know, syncretic, and, uh, I'm, I'm in, I'm very much into that you now. And it's not really, uh, a, 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 an authentic Morocco There's a lot of variants. It's, I have a variance. Yeah. It's, uh, and there's a little Wawa ko co in there. But it is, it is connected to, to the Morocco too, right. As the Morocco is connected to, batucada in general that's the the overall the overall name of that uh music down there we call it samba batucada
1: we're going to play a sample. My favorite song on this album is Circles. So, this is a, a cover from the M Boom from 1984. I, um, right. Yeah. And for, I'm going to play a, a sample of the original. I'm sure that you, this is something that you are asked to play all, all the time, right? Like this would be like a, like one of your, your biggest hits on tour. Like you would say, I gotta, I gotta play this for the crowd.
0: Well, yeah, circles would be, that would be, uh, well, there's, there's no crowd. I'm not touring. <laughs> you know, people, some people like that.
1: Never let me go Love me much too much If you let me go Life would lose its touch What would I be Without you There's no place Never Let Me Go has a vocalist uh, Stephanie Jordan from that New Orleans. Right. If you close your eyes, I swear you're hearing like a a young Nancy Wilson, like a beautiful Nancy Wilson mm. sound.
0: Mm. Awesome. Yeah, I, yeah, I can hear that. Yeah, she's awesome. I can hear that, and yeah. with a little Gloria, Gloria Lynn also.
1: Yeah, perfect. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, she got a lot of Gloria Lynn in her for some monkey flipping with the funky rhythm I be kicking musician and flipping composition a pain I'm like scoff face sniffling okay homin' the m16 see with the pen I'm extreme now bullet holes left in my peak clothes I'm shooting up a street clothes handy and out the
1: beat and there's a there's a website called who sampled this.com and mine rain is sampled from you multiple times not just by nods and, and I was like, oh, uh, Illumatic. It's from the 1994 uh, right. Illumatic album. I was all proud of myself. It's, so his song was New York State of Mind and you did Mind Rain. And I was like, I thought I came up with this by myself. And the, and then I read the bio and the press and it's all over it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I did that. That's, uh, I've been asking my son uh, persuaded me to do that. This I, I know about the, the, the sample that Nas did. And that was back in the, actually in the '90s, and oh, we, yeah. we, yeah, we did a, a deal. As such, the the samplers have to play; they have to pay the the composer and the record company something that puts it out. We did a little small thing, and but that was before it became his signature. You know, yeah. this this thing became his signature piece. <laughs> sequel you might know the time uh, i'm your host uh, mc power so come on in take your seats and settle down delivery dynamically remember those bars another time classic cut deep like scars mind rain Set hip-hop is not new it is not a new phenomenon not at all <laughs> No, and not at all. And uh, uh, Africa, you do a historical research, you go back to Africa, go with the Griots. But Tap Calloway was rapping in a way, and uh, Philly Joe Jones did a record back in nineteen fifty-eight called "Blues for Dracula," which was straight-up dialogue with music. It was dialogue with imitating a- a- and background music. That was hip-hop way back and. Uh, you know, and nothing was... I don't know. I think it was a modest hit. Welcome. Permit me to introduce myself. I am called Dracula. I am really the bebop vampire. I like the song. I like the sun to shine. But... Uh, and there were other songs back there when I was a teenager uh, stranding in the jungle that, had, that was doing... Spoken word with backgrounds.
1: But I was out of know that the wreckage on my plane had been picked up and spotted, in my girl in Lover's Lane. And meanwhile, back in the states.
0: So the, the thing about it, it's not it's not new. It's not a new phenomenon. <laughs>
1: No, I got another question about Rio. Rio feels right. to me that it's like an analog recording of some sort. Like the, the majority of the song has, it feels like a tape hiss. But I'm thinking it's almost it's your symbols. Do
0: you, do you know the song Rio? That's Wayne Shorter. Uh huh. That's a Wayne Shorter piece. Yeah. That recorded way back with Lee Morgan, or called The Procrastinator. I learned the tone from Bobby Hutcherson, and Harold Lamb. We played it. They used to call it Wayne Shorter's bossa nova because it didn't even have a name yet. But the song itself is, uh, the, the changes are just extraordinary. And um, it's a typical Wayne Shorter. And it's like a bossa nova. But we don't, as you know, we don't do it like that. It's a free form. Yeah, freeform. The the the, the boss of feeling only comes in
1: at the end. That was my idea to do that. It's almost like a switch. It happens quickly too. It's not right. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. But you wouldn't, unless you
0: knew the song or was a musician, you you wouldn't know it as real. Mm-hmm. You couldn't hear it. When we did freeform.
1: As a whole, I'd say this album is that you took some you know great standards and things that you really liked, and you just whipped it up into something very current something very modern. The one thing about this album is that it sounds fantastic from beginning to end, where a lot of albums have, you know, problems.
0: Yeah. Something happens, yeah. Yeah, but
1: that's that's
0: life. You know, it's, I think the one thing that uh, I would say jazz musicians are trying to do or are doing, some of them accomplish it. One thing that you want to try to do, me now, and other musicians, try to, to put a program out that is has a thread that runs through it, like thematically or harmonically, or like the Counter Blue album, you know, that's why they say, because there's a thread that's running through there, that, that all of that music is connected. It's not a bunch of songs, boom, 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 yeah. I think most musicians who are broad, they try to do that. I try to do that. There's a thread that's running through that. Of course, uh, there's a thread that's running through it. And, uh, the songs are related, they have a relationship. So th- that's, that's what I'm trying to
1: do. A lot of them just trying to do that. You got, yeah, people calling you. You got people at your door. Uh, I thought, <laughs> that, <laughs> I thought North Carolina was a uh, sleepy town.
0: <laughs> it is. Let me let me get this door, and it All took right. me a minute. It took me a minute.
1: Sure, no problem. I was actually uh, ready to wind down anyways. I want to thank you for joining me today on Something Came From Baltimore. Right. hope you enjoyed listening to something came from baltimore today we have been chatting with a legendary drummer joe chambers the album is called some of the maracatu something came from baltimore is a podcast and a show and it needs your support to survive you need to subscribe and then flip it to five people who love music like you do something came from baltimore is a word of mouth stumble on type of podcast we want you to be a part of that be more music scene